Luke chapter 17, starting with verse 11, the Bible says, And it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. As he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were leopards, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of being in your house. Father, we pray for those who are unable to be here, that you touch and heal those who are sick. Be with them. Give comfort and grace to those who need it. Father, we pray for those among us today. If there's one that's lost, that you'd speak to that heart today. Show them the need of salvation even now, dear God. And Father, we pray for those who are saved, that you'd strengthen us. Help us to be more like you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. As we come here dealing with the subject, uh, the mishandling of holy things. We've been preaching on a series of messages dealing uh, with mishandling the things of God over the last several weeks here. As we come here, a very familiar section of Scripture, the, uh, the ten lepers that were cleansed, we understand uh, that leprosy, here in the Bible, leprosy, as we look at it in Scripture, it represents sin. The cleansing of leprosy uh, is a type of salvation, and we'll look at that uh, in just a minute. As we see in verse number 11... It says here that Jesus went through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. It's interesting to note here, there were two main highways that would go through either Samaria or Galilee there. Uh, they separate each other. The Jews and the Samaritans did not have any dealings with each other. They did not care anything about each other. But the Bible says that Jesus went through the midst of them. He did not take either one of the popular roads but he went straight through the middle to find this group of lepers here. Now, as I said, leprosy represents sin in Scripture there in several ways. Leviticus 13 uh, gives us the detailed account of that, uh, but several ways that it represents uh, sin there. Just as leprosy uh, makes man an outcast to society, so sin makes man an outcast to God. We remember in Genesis 2 and verse number 17, God speaking to Adam, and the day you eat of the fruit thereof, you shall surely die. There, there was going to be a separation. There was going to be a breaking apart of God the Father and man there that had been established, supposed to be an eternal relationship, but through sin became an outcast. There became something that was separated. Just as leprosy is incurable apart from divine intervention, so sin cannot be cured. It cannot be fixed. It cannot be uh, healed. It cannot be cleansed apart from God doing it. We read in John 3 and verse number 3, Jesus speaking unto Nicodemus, He said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Friends, we have every program under the sun. That will give you a man's way of, of getting right with God. That will give you man's ability uh, to cleanse themselves and to take care of themselves and to make themselves pleasable uh, unto God. There we have everything under the sun that teaches that man can do for ourselves. But friends, the Bible is very clear. Apart from the grace of God and apart from Calvary, there is no salvation today. There is no hope for man apart from the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. If there were any other way, then Calvary would not have been necessary. But friends, sin is absolutely incurable today apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't hear anything else, please hear this. If you are not saved today and you've never accepted Christ as a personal Savior, I don't care how religious you are. I don't care how much you give to the church, what you do for the church, what you don't do. 
You will not make it to heaven apart from God's grace today. You need Him today. And the only way, He said, ye must be born again. We must come by faith and receive Him. Just as leprosy there uh, was incurable there apart from divine intervention, so is sin there. Uh, Just as leprosy there deforms and destroys and ultimately leads to death, so does sin. Romans 6 and verse number 23, for the wages of sin is death. Sin is what has caused so many families to be destroyed and dissolved. Sin is what has broken down so many bodies today. Uh, alcoholism, and we see all those things. We see a sin that has run rampant and has torn apart there the physical bodies, torn apart the physical home there. So sin does that for you and I there. It tears apart and ultimately leads to death there. Just as leprosy uh, would start with just a scab there and would turn uh, and eventually spread out through that body there until the point that it killed and consumed that person. So sin does the same thing, friends. Sin, uh, if I can give an uh, easy illustration there, it is very similar to a boa constrictor it's not the initial bite that kills you it's when that sin that that snake begins to wrap around and choke the life out of somebody that it takes and, and ultimately ends and friends that's what sin does to us today it grabs a hold of us And the more we allow it, the tighter it gets and the tighter the grip is until we just can't move. Uh, Friends, leprosy there, it may have started out as just a small scab or a small white spot on that skin, but before long, if something that was uh, uh, incurable there, it it would cover the entirety of that person. It would ultimately take their life there, friends. Uh, Just as leprosy, just as with leprosy, only God can cure the sin problem completely. Only the Lord Jesus Christ. We see that again. It is typified or it is spoken of in Leviticus 13 there. We see that uh, through the blood sacrifices there, the innocent animals that were given there. uh, Through those sacrifices, the blood and the death of the substitutionary uh, offering there uh, was a man made clean, uh, clean. So with us, it comes only through the blood of Jesus Christ, His sacrificial offering there, Him being our substitute today, Him stepping in our place today, Him dying on our behalf today is the only cure that we have for sin. Uh, Hebrews 9 and verse number 22, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission there. It is blood. You say, preacher, why does it have to be blood uh, that cleanses from sin there? Because blood in Scripture represents life there. Sin is a picture of death there and only life can come and conquer death there. Only sin uh, can be conquered by the life by that precious blood there and it's not the blood of bulls and goats as we read in the book of Hebrews but the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ there friends he offered that today in our place there and he died for you and I so that we could have that salvation and that curing when we understand that then we see why this disease of leprosy was so terrible here and we see how this mishandling here God comes and gives grace there, but we see how this mishandling is so very uh, detrimental there and so very uh, strong here as we read about it. I want you to notice three things about this account this morning. I want you to notice, first of all, in verses 11 through 13, we see the desperation of those lepers. Friends, they were desperate. In verse 11 and 12 there, uh, we read about their mingling there, the Jews and the Samaritans. Uh, here's these, uh, uh, these lepers there, ten men. One of them is a Samaritan. That's significant in the fact there that normally... Apart from, uh, apart from this sickness here, they would not have interacted with each other at all. 
They would not have talked to each other. The Jews hated the Samaritans there. The Samaritans likewise uh, despised the Jews. There was a divide between them. Uh, the Samaritans were seen as the half-breeds there. The Jews uh, saw themselves as being better than the Samaritans. And normally under different circumstances, they would not have communicated. They wouldn't have intermingled at all. But here they are there. And this disease of leprosy has torn down any bonds there. This disease of leprosy has taken apart any prejudices and has brought them together on leprosy ground. Friends, that's what sin does for us. It doesn't matter if you were born uh, with wealth and riches. It doesn't matter if you came from poverty. You need to be saved just as much as the next person today. We need the blood of Christ to take care of us there. And there's not a one of us that's good enough to make it on our own. Sin is that leveling. It's that leveling ground there. It's that common ground that we share. Doesn't matter if you're a king or a vagabond. Doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. Doesn't matter if you're black or white. Doesn't matter where you come from. Sin is that great equalizer. And apart from Christ there, we have no hope today, friends. They were mingled together. They were in uh, the same... Uh, uh, they, they were under that same death sentence. They were in the same condition there. Ultimately, it was going to end in their death. They were outcasted from society. They were set apart from what was clean there. Anytime someone came around them, they'd have to stand off at a distance. They'd have to cover themselves and cry out unclean there. They couldn't allow anything good around them for fear of contamination, friends. That's what happens. That's what sin has done for you and I. It didn't enlighten us the way Satan told Eve it would. It separated us from a holy God. And when God comes around, if we don't have the blood of Christ there. We've got to stand afar off. We can't get next to Him today. We can't stand in the holy presence of God with our sin on us and expect to survive. We need Christ today. That mingling puts us on level ground. Not only the mingling, but their meeting. In verses 12 and 13 there it says, And, he, and as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. Uh, I want you to get a hold of this there. They're coming now by law. A leper was not allowed to come in to the city. They were not allowed to come and intermingle with other people for fear of them contaminating someone else. So these lepers here, when they hear about Jesus, and they hear about the one that has done these miracles, they get as close as they possibly can. And they begin to cry out to the Lord Jesus Christ for mercy there. Friends, uh, there's no recognition that they, they recognized Him as the Son of God. All they had heard about was the miracles. Friends, that teaches us that we don't have to get everything right before we come to God. We come to Him just as we are. We trust Him to take care of what we can't do for ourselves. But here they come and they begin uh, to cry out to Him. They stand as close as they can and they want just one more opportunity. Friends, this is their last chance of any type of healing coming. And they're going to do all they can to get close to it. They stand close there. Not only they're coming, but we see in verse number 13, they're crying and they lifted up their voices. This would have taken significant effort because leprosy, not only does it affect the, affect the human body outwardly, but it would tear down inwardly on the body. Their, their, vo- their vocal cords were something a leper's vocal cords were often affected. And it would be very difficult for them, especially in the, the late on stages of leprosy, to be able to speak. So for them, there, if they had been with this disease for any length of time, it would have been very hard for them to lift up that voice and to get that voice to carry out, especially them being a great distance off, a far off is what the Bible says. It would have took a great effort. It would have shown there that they had a great desire. Friends, they were desperate 
For there is sin there. That speaks of conviction, friends. When a ho- when the Holy Spirit comes on the heart of a sinner, that person's not going to come down to an altar all nonchalant like nothing matters, smiling and jumping down here. There's going to be conviction. There's going to be sin. There's going to be a bothersome about them there. There'll be tears. There'll be repentance, friends. We don't get saved until we first get convicted by the Holy Spirit of God. Billy Graham said it this way. He said, you don't go to the doctor until you first realize you're sick. And Holy Spirit shows us we're lost. And for the first time, I remember where I was. 17-year-old boy, I remember the first time that the Holy Spirit convicted me. And I remember it was like somebody flipped a switch. And all the things that I once enjoyed, I realized, had broken the heart of God. And for the first time, tears began to stream down my face as I realized I was a guilty sinner. I couldn't come. I couldn't come with no care in the world. I was under conviction, friends. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. These uh, these lepers here, they realized they were sick. They realized they were hopeless. And their only chance is walking by there. And they took all the strength they had. And they cried out to God that He would have mercy on them. Friends, we see not only the desperation of the lepers, but I want you to notice, secondly, we see the deity of the Lord there. In verse number 14, we see His compassion according to the law. Look at the first part of that verse. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. This is not Jesus saying, Let you, go, go be somebody else's problem. By law there, again, Leviticus 13, if we read verses 1-3, through 3, verses 11-12, through 12, when a person was leprous, they had to come before the priest there. And when they first saw that spot, the priest would declare them unclean. He was the one who would make that final determination that they had to be separated from society. That same priest... If a divine healing had taken place, they would come there and they would present themselves to that priest and that priest would look and say, okay, you're healed, you're allowed to go back into society there, you're cleansed. Jesus here, when He tells them to go show themselves unto the priest, what He's telling them is to make sure they follow the law. Now remember, the Pharisees accused the Lord Jesus Christ of breaking the law. He said, think not that I've come to destroy the law, I've come not to destroy but to fulfill He perfectly carried out the law of God down to a T. That's why He could die for our sins there. That's why He could pay the penalty there. He did for us what we could not do for ourselves there in taking care of those commandments of God and living by the holy standards of God. And when they come to Him there, here they are and they're desperate there. Jesus in compassion tells them, says, Go, show yourselves unto the priests. Now, that compassion, it came with something. There was something that had to be done there. You say, Preacher, what is that? I want you to notice in the second part of verse 14, we see the completion according to their listening. It says, And we saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. When Jesus told them to go to the priest, they were still covered in leprosy. When Jesus told them to go show themselves, They had no reason, physically speaking, to look and say, okay, everything's going to be good. They had to step by faith. They had to accept what Christ said and take it by faith before they were ever going to be cleansed. Friends, you and I today, we know what that Bible says. We are aware of what that Bible says, but do you know today that no one has ever been saved simply by hearing the Gospel? You say, preacher, what do you mean by that? Friends, it takes a response. In Romans 10, 
verses 9 and 10, the Bible tells us this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, that's that response there, the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Friends, uh, you can believe. But until you accept, until you confess, until you come and say, Lord, I can't do it myself. I'm asking you to do for me what I can't do. Until you receive that gift, then it can't be enjoyed. You think about John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Friends, if you receive a gift, we're getting ready, we're just a couple weeks away from Christmas time. Everybody here likes a gift. Everybody likes the present when it's wrapped up and it's, you got the bow on it. It's beautiful to look at. But do you realize the greatest gift in the world is absolutely worthless if the box is not opened? Someone can come to you and say, listen, I, I put a, a check for a million dollars in that box. In that, it is in there. It's got your name on it. It's yours. It is a gift. I want you to have it. And you can say, oh, thank you. I believe it. That's wonderful. But if you don't open that box, take that check and put that thing in the bank, it's worthless. Friends, salvation is the same way. Christ died on Calvary, spent three days in that tomb, rose again victorious over death on the grave. We can believe that all we want to. You say, I'll preach, I believe. What's the Bible say? The devils believe also and tremble. If we don't receive Him, if we don't come down and say, Lord, I am a sinner. I need you. Save me. Salvation is personal, friends. God has no grandkids. You don't get in on the coattails of someone else. It's personal here. Those lepers had to follow and believe the Lord before He would ever cleanse them. They looked down and they said, Oh, I'm still covered in leprosy. But they turned and they went to the priest in faith. For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We have to receive what God has done for us. Otherwise, it is worthless. They saw it there. And as they began to walk and to go into that priesthood, they took that first step. The Bible says, draw nigh unto God, He'll draw nigh unto you. You take that first step to Him, He'll take that one to you. And He'll meet you right where you're at. 1 John 1.7, by the blood of Jesus Christ, cleanseth us from all sin. That blood that they came and they recognized the need there. They trusted in Him. And they listened to Him and obeyed Him. And on the way there, they were cleansed. Friends, God did a miraculous thing for these lepers. The Bible doesn't tell us how far along they were. Leprosy is something that can span out for a very long period of time. It's very... Uh, very uh, detrimental physically it takes a lot of time it's, it's very taxing it's something that, that uh, can be very hurtful and painful it's again a long drawn out process it's not something that just kills instantly here they are maybe some have been there longer than others maybe there's one that, that was there and, and just found out and he's looking at the other one that's been there and he's getting ready to die and he's thinking that's my fate right there That's all I got to look forward to. Every day I wake up, I'm going to be in worse shape than what I am right now. Maybe that one that is is, uh, at the end of his life there, and he's he's, uh, decayed there, and he's he's far advanced with that leprosy. Maybe he's thinking, oh, I hope today's the day that I just finally die, and this suffering stops. Whatever the case may be, however far along they were, they were in bad shape. And Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest there. And as they began to turn and walk, all of a sudden that leprosy is cleared up. 
And that body is made whole. And I can imagine tears streaming down the face as they think, I get to go back to my family. I get to go back and be with them. You say, preacher, uh, were they excited? They should have been. But I want you to notice, not only do we see there the desperation of the lepers and the deity of the Lord, but we see the desertion of the lost there. Now follow along with me for just a minute. Verses 15 down through verse number 19. I want you to see the response of the Samaritan in verse 15 and 16. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God, fell down on his face at his feet, at his feet giving thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So preacher, why does it say he was a Samaritan? Because the Samaritans, again, they were considered the half-breeds. These were the ones that Jesus wasn't even sent to, to start with. He was sent first to the lost sheep of Israel. Now here's the Samaritan. Nine Jews that should have known better didn't come back. But this one, this one Samaritan turned around and fell down at the feet of Jesus. The fact that he fell prostrate speaks of his humility, speaks of surrender, speaks of praise. Fell down at his feet and thanked him. Before he could go show himself unto the priest there, before he could celebrate his restored life, he had to come back to the feet of Jesus Christ. Only one out of ten did that. Only one out of ten turned around and came back to Christ. Nine of them went on their way. You say, preacher, what are you getting at? What I'm getting at the fact is if you are saved today and you have the attitude of, well, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, that's all I need, you are one of the nine that has deserted the Lord Jesus Christ. If you say, preacher, I'm I'm good. I got all I need. I got to get out of hell free card. I'm going to live how I want to. You're one of the nine that's walked away from the Lord. If he saved you today, marvelously, miraculously, wonderfully saved you today, then what he deserves and where we belong is at the feet of Jesus Christ. Thanking him for every day. Friends, serving him in whatever capacity he gives us to serve him. As I've said before, there are some that are never going to stand and publicly speak. That's fine. There's some that will never stand and sing. That's fine. But every one of us can do something for God. And every one of us, God deserves for us to do something for him. We see that the response of that Samaritan, just one. Turn back there. We see the rebuke of the Savior, verses 17 and 18. And Jesus answering and said, Was there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. What a sad testimony that is. In Luke 12, in verse number 48, the Bible says, For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall much be required. You and I today, friends, if you live in this country, you are one of the most blessed people on the face of the planet. The fact that we are gathering together without fear of arrest, without fear of imprisonment, without fear of death, that we are legally protected, we're welcomed in this house, the fact that we have a great church building, the fact that you can carry your Bible anywhere you want to carry it, you can pray, you can read anytime you want to, speaks to the fact that we are greatly blessed. But because of that blessing, we have a great responsibility. One of the greatest dangers for modern day Christianity is not so much uh, it's not so much the, the persecution. 
We really, in, in all honesty, we don't face much persecution. We may have some people make fun of us. We may have some people that kind of mock you a little bit. But that's, that's about the extent of it. In, in this country, anyway. Our greatest danger for Christianity here is complacency. Where we say, well, I don't really feel like, I don't really feel like spending time with God right now. I'll do it later. Well, I don't really feel like going to church right now. I'll, I'll just go next week. Or we come to the place where God dealing with our hearts, convicting us of something, where it offends us instead of puts us back right in fellowship with Him. And we say, well, I'm not going back to that church anymore. I'll find another one. That's the danger of complacency. That's nine folks turning and saying, I'll go somewhere else when we should be at the feet of Jesus. Christ rebuked him, says, Is there none that's come back but this stranger? Now, I want you to notice, last of all, now the response of the Samaritan, the rebuke of the Savior, but last of all, we see the, re- the reward for the Spirit. Look at verse number 19. And he said unto him, The one that came back, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. You say, preacher, was he any more cleansed physically than the other ten, than the other nine? Nope. They all were cleansed. They were all were allowed to go back into society. They were all were made physically whole and delivered. You say, preacher, what was the blessing? What is it that this man got that the others didn't? That man received something spiritually that the rest had no idea about. See, here's the thing about Christianity, true Christianity. And listen up. It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you to follow Christ. There will be some time when maybe your family, maybe your job, maybe financially, it's going to cost you something to stand with the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, preacher, is it worth it? What God gives us in place is more than we could ever imagine. Whatever, he, whatever it costs us doesn't even compare. Amen. Several of you have heard me use this illustration before, but it's, it's fitting here. I was reading a, a preacher was talking about a, a dad that would go in and would read to his daughter every night. And he would pray with her every night. And his daughter, at all her toys, her favorite thing that she had was a, a string of toy pearls. He went in one night, he said, Honey, after they got done praying, he said, Honey, can Daddy have your pearls? She said, Oh, no, Daddy, not my pearls. How about, how about my baby doll? He said, No, honey, it's okay. You hold on to it. He went in the second night. He said, Honey, can Daddy have your pearls? She said, No, Daddy. She began to tear up. She saw it meant something to him, but it, it, it bothered her a little. She said, How about my teddy bear? He said, No, honey, it's okay. You hold on to it. He went in the third night. He said, Honey, can Daddy have your pearls? She didn't understand why, but she knew it meant something to him. So with tears in her little eyes, she took that string of pearls off her neck, that toy. She said, here, Daddy, you can have it. Daddy was wearing a robe. He took the the toy pearls, put them in one pocket, and he reached in the other, and he pulled out a string of real pearls, and he placed it on that daughter's neck. What God wants to take from us is nothing compared to what He wants to give us. The question is, are we willing? All the other nine there, they had just enough. Just enough. 
They were cleansed. They, they, that was, if that was the last time they saw Jesus, they were fine with it. But that one, that one came down and fell at his feet. He hugged on to the feet of Jesus and he could not stop thanking him for his grace, for his mercy, for his restoration. And Jesus said, Today, you're made whole. Friends, if we realized what it was that Christ wanted to give to us, there wouldn't be a one of us that said, no, Lord, I, I can't give it to you. If we realized what it was that God had for us, He does not want to take away the joy out of your life. He doesn't want to take away the peace out of your life. He doesn't want to take away anything but what would hurt you. He wants to give you that which will make you whole today. So the Son of Man has come that thou would have life and thou would have it abundantly. Friends, let me ask you something today as we close. Do you have just enough of Jesus that you say, Preacher, I'm, I'm good. Or does He have all of you? There's a big difference today. There's a big difference. Nowhere in Scripture will you find where it says that we are supposed to wait till we get to heaven to enjoy what we have. God wants us to walk with Him every day. He walks with me. He talks with me. Tells me I'm His own. Who are you walking with today? How much of you does He have today? Friends, there is a world that desperately, desperately needs to see Christ in us. And they're not going to see Him if we're not spending time with Him. Let's all stand this morning. Heads bowed and eyes closed.